0: On today's Locked On Texan podcast, will Nick Casario's habit of overvaluing players ultimately affect his job security as a Texan general manager and respect the vets? Cody and I discuss how the experience will help prepare for the future. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in everybody to a Thursday episode of the Locked On Texan podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you to everyone who listens or watches the Locked On Texan podcast Monday through Friday or whenever we are putting out a new show. If you are new to the show, thank you for checking us out for today. Make sure you subscribe, like and comment to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, along with YouTube. I am your Texans football analyst John, some sports guy Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by none other than Houston Texan beat reporter Cody Davis, who also writes for Sports Illustrated for the Texans and the Rockets. A man that rarely gets any sleep. But for today's podcast, we gotta talk about CJ Stroud. Man, he's the he's Illuminati the party. The he's Illuminati party. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the company of some of the elites right now uh, over the weekend, a party that was thrown in all white. Also, we've got to look at the importance of the vets for this upcoming season. But, Cody, when we look at Nick Casario, we had a conversation with John Crumple of the Texan Wire on yesterday's podcast. Uh, I can understand why people are looking at Nick Casario a little funny in the light. Mm-hmm. Right? He has had some questionable decisions that he signed off of. And by no means do I really want to count year one against him, but in the past offseason, you can look at this offseason, during his tenure he's made some questionable decisions, and I think overvaluing players has been one of them.
1: Yeah, and when you say overvaluing players, to me it's more so of him utilizing culture more so than talent on the field. And I say that because when you go back and you take a look at the last two years that Nick Casario was the general manager of the Houston Texans, and he was responsible for building a team, John, you know, there were several times where we heard the word culture come out of his mouth and the mouths of David Cully and Lovey Smith on several occasions. And the roster construction wasn't really good, especially when you consider the fact that there were several players who, yeah, they might not have fit this this, this culture that Nick Osirio wanted to build here in the city of Houston. However, there was a lot more talented than the players that Nick Osirio Asier- stuck by and gave these players an opportunity to actually go out there on the field and represent the Houston Texans over the last two seasons. Really quick, I do have a list. Of five guys that I want to point out that would give the listeners and viewers an, an idea of how much Nick Casario overvalues some of the players that he brought into this organization. Rex Burkhead, we already know him. He's probably at the top of the list of somebody that Nick Casario had overvalued. But you also got... Danny Amendola, Kamu Grugier-Hill, Chris Conley, Philip Dorsett, and Jordan Jenkins. Those are five players that came at the top of my head where I said to myself, all five of these players, by Nick Casario, was being held and being touted as the culture fit, as the guy that's going to come in and help move this organization forward. However, their play on the field did not hold much value and weight. Still to this day, I don't understand how in the world did Nick Osirio allow Marlon Mack to walk out the door for 16 and Kirby and kept Rex Burkhead for an entire season? So that's where I look at this whole debate on whether or not or how Nick Osirio has overvalued players that he had brought in over the last two seasons, which, by the way, with Coach D'Amico Ryan's now at the hams, I don't think we're going to fall victim to that moving forward.
0: Rex Burkhead also got a contract extension.
1: Oh, my god, Midway
0: year one of Nick, you know, Nick Astero's year one, and it was clear as as day, not only should he not get a contract
1: extension, (laughs) he should be a candidate to get cut. But By the way, to that point, I do want to point this out as well. Remember, Danny Amendola was about to get a contract extension as well. But it was him that decided, you know what? (laughs) Due to this last knee procedure I had, I I want to hang it up. Remember, I talked to him, Mm -hmm. I want to say, two or three weeks before he announced his retirement. And he was still contemplating on whether or not he wanted to play. And if he would have played the 2022 campaign, it would have been right here in the city of Houston, due to the relationship and being a culture fit with Nick Casario.
0: I think Danny Amendola hit them boys with it. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> I got to get out of here. But I think, you know, I'm glad you're looking at it from a culture fit. Mm. And a, a lot of the guys that you mentioned were brought in as free agents, so that aspect, I'm going to look at it from the draft. To start with the 2022 draft class, <clears throat> One, one of the more you look at trading back from 13 to 15, you select the Kenyon Green, Jordan Davis was available. So let's let's make sure we put Kenyon Green in the box right now, just a box right now. And I'll go back to it. Mm-hmm. Then you traded three picks 68, 108, 124 to move up in the draft and draft John Mechie at 44. Traded two picks 80. 162 to move up to draft Christian Harris at 75. Traded two more picks, 166 and 207, to move up for Thomas Booker. Also traded up for Tegan Quatoriano at 170. Now, in the 2023 draft class, of course, the one everybody's going to talk about for the rest of this franchise history is Houston trading 12-33 a 2024 first round of four-wheel Anderson. One of... One of two of the trades in the two seasons that we we're talking about that I've liked so far and has made sense. <laughs> However, Keon Green is in the box. Will Anderson has to go in that box. John Mechie mm-hmm. also goes into that box. Mm-hmm. You traded three picks 65, 88, 230 to Philly to move up and go get Juice Scruggs. Then you traded the 73rd overall pick, 130 the 131st overall pick to the Rams to trade up to take Tank Dale, one of the bigger head scratchers in terms of drafting up from a football aspect. So let's take Tank Dale. Juice Crugs, yeah. But let's take Tank Dale. Let's also put him in that box as well. Also, I wonder if Arizona really had their eyes set on Henry Toto because Houston did draft up, uh trade up to, to go to go get uh the linebacker out of Alabama. Again, guys, I love moving up for Christian Harris and Will Anderson. And I think Nick Casario has shown that he can properly assess a positional need, but he has shown that he can overvalue the player way too high. And I go as far as to say that he will not divert away from a player that he really wants. You cannot knock a GM for going to get the guy that he wants, which is why I think that we ultimately ended up with Will Anderson with the number three overall pick. Mm-hmm. But again, guys, when I look at that box of players going back to 2022, Kenyon Green is in his box. John Mechie is in that box. I would also argue Thomas Booker was in that box, but he was a late-round draft pick, so I'm not going to hold that against him. But also Will Anderson would be in that box. Tank Dale would be in that box. And I can make a case for Juice Scrubs, but you also address a serious positional need. But you got four to five players in that box to where if these guys don't work out, your legacy as a as the Texans general manager will be tied to those guys. And of those four or five players, how many of those players would you consider overdrafted, overvalued players? I think right now, Will Anderson is the guy that I will leave to the side and say, mm, I'm not gonna count him in that box, also because of what D'Amico Ryans wanted as well. So I can't in totality put that on Nico Aserio. But John Metch is in the boxing, if he doesn't work out, of course, we low the ex- expectations here on the show. We take our mm-hmm. time with it. I get it. But if he doesn't work out, if Tank Dell is reduced to a special teamer in an NFL league now where special teams and what he does very well has been limited and reduced to almost Adams, shout out to Thanos, <laughs> then... How does he get on the field? You drafted Tank Dale when Amari Rogers played good football for you last year, and you also traded three picks the draft before Tank Dale for John Mechie, who well, you're not sure if you're going to be inside out because you haven't had an opportunity to see him play football again. Those are questionable moves, and also with drafting Tank Dale, did you overdraft a slot special teamer when Jalen Hyatt was available? A guy that eventually. You know, once he gets comfortable in the league, could be a receiver that can stretch the field for you downfield, something that Houston, as of right now, we don't know if that's on the roster. Later in the draft, they did draft Xavier Hutchinson. So, excuse me, they did draft Xavier Hutchinson. So maybe he's the guy that can replicate that. But Jaden Hyde coming out of Tennessee, that's all he was known for. Big plays down the field, which is what this offense needed, especially considering at that time you knew Bobby Slork was your offensive coordinator and that. Arizona, they love those big home runs. They like guys that can eat it up in the middle, but they also like guys that can take it downfield and make a big play. So this isn't me necessarily saying I think Knicks, you know, should be fired. But I am saying that he will be judged on the success of these two draft classes. He will be judged on the success of Kenyon Green when Jordan Davis, a guy that if you draft Jordan Davis when he was on the field, when Kenyon Green was on the field, who was the better player? No question, it was Jordan Davis, and I haven't even mentioned trading up for Nico Collins as of right now. I was going to get to that. that I was 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 going to
1: ask, Did you want to take it back to 2021? Because his very first trade up was was Nico Nico Collins Collins. in the third round. And I understand, no, no, I was going to say real quick, I understand that you know 2021, the whole entire draft capital was terrible, but you do have to take into consideration that Nico Collins is definitely in that box as well. Because a lot of us, a lot of reporters and analysts, always give players. Three years to show me what you can do on the NFL level, on a professional level. No matter no matter the sport, and this is Nico Collins' yeah. third season. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think again,
0: I'm going to be fair and say, judging him off a draft where the first time he able, he was able to pick somebody mm-hmm. was in the third round, is <laughs> very unfair. However, yeah. the facts remain: Nico Collins was a player you traded up for to go get. Take your first at betting MLB. On FanDuel and get ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to two hundred dollars. That's right, just twenty bucks and you'll land two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. That's two hundred dollars you can spend betting everything from the money line to the who you is going to hit the first home run of the game, all on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB, all of that Major League Baseball action right now than FanDuel, America's number one sports book.
1: Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday installment of Locked On Texans and John, we talked about players who are going to be tied to Nick Caserio for the rest of his tenure here as general manager for the Houston Texans. And one of those players that he's going to be tied to is Will Anderson Jr. Now, look, I think out of all the players that's going to be tied to him, that might be his saving grace because I'm still on board with the trade. I will do it again today. I will do it again tomorrow. I'll do it again next week. I'll do it again next month, next year.
0: Can I, can, I, can I clarify my statements, by the way? I, I'm on board with trading up for Christian Harris. You look at the linebacker room from last year, you needed a, a young linebacker. You hadn't had one since that right? I'm on board for trading up for Will Anderson simply because not Nick Casario, but more so the new head coach is clearly going to have some real power, mm. wanted him, mm-hmm. and you had the... You 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 had the, the capital to do so, right? Like you you trade Deshaun Sean Watson and you get those picks back to make sure that if you do decide to swing, you can you're able to swing big because you have the optionality to do so. I'm even on board with the the juice scrubs in a sense because you needed a center badly, right? Mm-hmm. But I just want to clarify that some of the trades, though they will be tied to Nick Casario, were understandable trades.
1: Yeah, and Didn't I
0: understand trading back and impact on Jordan Davis. And I think Zion Zion Johnson was a better player for Keon Green. Still like Green, though. I, yeah. I love with Green. You know, his upside as a run blocker, so I can't wait to see him healthy.
1: But I just want to clarify those statements. I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think two weeks ago. I just hope he's healthy for training camp. He cannot continue to miss important reps because if he goes through another training camp where he's missing almost all of it due to injuries, then I think we really got a big problem on our hands. But back to Will Anderson Jr. Like I mentioned, man, I think if there is a saving grace for Nick Casario, it's Will Anderson Jr. This young man already has the talent. We already know he came into the 2023 draft class as arguably the best pass rusher, arguably the best defensive player in this class. And for the Houston Texans to go out there, be aggressive, and make that move in order to get him says a lot. And the first day of mandatory minicamp, Jerry Hughes was another veteran player who came out and talked about how impressed they have been working alongside Will Anderson Jr. And the one thing that, I, that I'm noticing about every time, whether it's somebody on the coaching staff or one of his teammates, whether it be you know, someone in his rookie class, sophomore, junior class, or just a veteran itself, they all talk about how Will Anderson Jr. has a drive to just learn. And that's going to be very important because, yes, Will Anderson has the talent to thrive in his league, but he's also taking the time to understand the mental aspect of the game. And, John, this is why I think a lot of times when we look at these prospects, no matter how good they might look in high school, no matter how good they might look in college, when they get to that professional level, their talents don't necessarily transcend because they're missing that mental aspect of it. And I love the fact that Will Anderson Jr. is taking the time as of right now to learn that attribute of the game. But he also has somebody like Jerry Hughes, who consider himself as a big brother to not just Will Anderson, but for all of the young players in the locker room. Before moving on, I want you guys to listen to what Jerry Hughes had to say about Will Anderson's desire to learn and also how is he going into this next season as a big brother as a veteran to help these young guys his intelligence just how smart he is as a young guy, you know, not afraid to, you
0: know, sit in the front of the classroom, ask questions, be be repetitive so he can make sure that he understands what the uh, coaches are asking for him to go out there and perform and do. I think that's just key. I mean, he has all of the physical tools to kind of go out there and be just a freak of nature and recap it for four quarters. But now when you're at this level, it's all about mental. How can you attack opponents? How can you keep them Guessing what you're doing. I think that those are some of the best players in this league, is when people can't really get a read or beat on what you're getting ready to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the young guys, honestly. I mean, Will's in our room, Dylan, Ali, all those guys. I mean, I try to be there big bro Whatever question they have. I've kind of seen it all in the NFL. So off the field, on the field, you know, whatever they have, I try to be there for those guys. You know, they've been here this entire offseason um, giving it their all, asking a lot of questions, and that's what
1: we want. I mean, we're going to need them to win games this year, and so I'm excited. I don't know if it's because I've literally been covering not one team, but two teams over these last three years that has gone going through the gauntlet of the rebuild. But I know there's people that hear, you know, you got to have veterans around, especially in these young locker rooms. But being around both the Houston Texans and the Houston Rockets, having a veteran like Jerry Hughes is very important because, like I just mentioned, that is going to be the key of getting these guys to where they need to be at the NFL level and hopefully beyond. Yeah, you know
0: what, man? We talk about how the Rockets – And how the Texans mirror each other a lot on and off Mm -hmm. camera. And, you know, Houston just got their Will, I mean, not Will Anderson. In a sense they did, but Houston just got their Jerry Hughes signing Jeff Green. Mm -hmm. You know, the Texans just got their Will Anderson, but already had (laughs) Jerry Hughes on the roster. And what I like most about what we're hearing from the vets, right, is the fact of it comes off as – okay, eventually this guy's going to take over, right? My job right now is for for, for me to get him prepared, right? So that's what I like a lot mm-hmm. about hearing Jerry Hughes and some of the vets behind the scene talk about, you know, their role and what their presence means to this team because it's actually more valuable than I think a lot of people give credit to. And then I look at the coaches, right, and I hear Dumiko Ryan's, we're talking about the importance of veterans. I hear D'Amico Ryans when he was asked about Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins' playing strengths. You know what he said? Both guys, Sheldon and Malik, veterans, experience. Both guys have played in big games. Both guys have done it at a high level. Both both of those guys are pros and they work every day. So I think that when you look at adding veterans to this 2023 Texan team, in the past, that's all you can probably – get, and those veterans were not the cream of the crop to say, you know, no disrespect to those guys, but Mm -hmm. they needed somewhere to play, just like every other player, but the roster wasn't as talented. You go back and look at the 2021 roster, not talented in terms of comparing it to the rest of the 32 teams in the NFL. You go back and look at last year's roster, not as talented as the rest of the 32 teams in the NFL, which is why Houston's, you know, they picked with four and three, or three and two, and back to back years, excuse me. <laughs> so when I look at the additions of the vets on the team, you have vets right now that are better than the young guys on the roster. So there's no, there's no rush. There's a real opportunity to allow those young guys to develop with lower expectations. The flexibility is there in terms of depth control. I love that. Now you're able to build your depth from the backside up and i think in the past it was from the starters to the bench right and i think mm-hmm. now you 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 have a good op- observation of who you want out on the field and you get an opportunity to get some of these younger guys some of the more got some of the guys that need more assistance to get more acclimated to the NFL level you get them around some of these vets and not only are they soaking up a lot of the game but we don't have to play you for 50% of the snaps we don't have to play you for 45% of the snaps. We don't need that from you. We'll get you on the field when you're ready because the guys in front of you are already ready to play some football. And I think with the addition of guys like Sheldon Rankins playing him next to Malik Collins, both of those guys has a lot of experience. You don't have to play Lopez and Book as much. Same with Shaq Mason and, and Patterson, mm-hmm. right? You brought over Shaq Mason, traded for him. You also drafted Patterson. But there is no rush to get Patterson on the field because you have a vet in front of him that is ready to play football games right now. And I think ultimately, overall, there are clear upgrades on this team now due to the vets Houston brought in the tight end position. There's no way we can't say that's an upgrade. Dalton Schultz, the vet. Backup running back, the vet. And Devin Singletary. Right guard, Shaq Mason, the vet. Safety. There is no more. Jonathan Owens, right? You have the vet Jimmy Ward back there. Now you got those rotational players that may have been playing too many snaps or just wasn't ready at times to play as consistently as they did last year, they have an opportunity to be just that. Rotational players with the more experienced vets in front of them. I love the vets that Houston signing off season. I'm still very questionable about the linebacker group to see what they're gonna do. But in terms of getting the best of the best. Out there on the field for what you have on the roster this season, this offseason, what Houston was able to do with bringing in these vets, to me again, I've said it several times. Play at a high level, right? D'Amico Ryan's yeah, they played at a high level. Veterans, experience, big game guys, right? Oh, it sounds like to me they're setting this roster up to play meaningful, winning football games this year. And you, you're not gonna do that with a very young team. You're not going to do that with too much of an older team. So Houston has a balanced roster right now, I believe. Uh, I think they are 20th in the league in terms of age, average age, I believe. 20, 21st around that that mark. But, man, they got some good guys that are older, more experienced, that could be the difference in going three and out to moving the chains. Hmm. welcome back in locked on texans listeners and viewers before we close out today's show cj stroud
1: (laughs) should we do it so should we should we do it i'm not gonna
0: do it i'm not gonna do it but shout out to cj stroud man you know what so can we can i let's let's be honest about it. it's a big all-white party Mm -hmm. michael rubin threw the party the who's who's and the who's what's were there. Joe Burrow was there. Tom Brady was there. Odell was there. Uh, James Harden, half of the Philly team was there. Right. Which, by
1: the way, was, wasn't that awkward? Is he tried to request a trade or I something That's Philly?
0: probably with the franchise. Him and, and beat, I think, on a good page. Good pages. Tobias was there. James Harden's boy, little Baby, was there. Uh, so everybody that kind of, you know, Drewski was there. I was I was gonna go with I had to you know my wife is pregnant and I didn't want to go by myself so that's why I didn't go <laughs> but uh, I, you know I don't have a problem with it I think it's fun and I also like to see young guys live their life right you have fun you're out there with the goat of all time you're looking at Tom Brady Joe Burrow one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL right now hmm. look like they had a good time I hope that there was no hitting doors that if you walk into it, it's blood all over the wall. (laughs) You don't want to stain it all white. CJ, you know what? He coming out in Houston, man. You know, Houston, we like to look good. CJ look good out there, comfortable. This is his part of the offseason where you can do whatever you want to do as long as you're not getting into no trouble. I'm happy for him.
1: Yeah, I am too, man. I know. I was just joking about the whole Illuminati thing. But, you know, and knowing... (laughs) And knowing what I know about CJ as of right now, I'm pretty sure and I can't wait to ask him about this. I'm pretty sure that he used that opportunity to just learn because he was literally in the presence of several people, both on the field, off the field, on the basketball court, in sports, outside of sport, like even Jay-Z was there. So it was just like there was just so much greatness for him to learn because one thing about CJ that he's been preaching going all the way back to footage that I found back in high school is the fact that he wants to be great. He wants to be an all-time great. And once again, man, like I just said, I'm pretty sure that that was just an opportunity that he took that opportunity to not only to enjoy himself and have fun, but just to learn. I mean, you had the goat himself Tom Brady in the building and It was just fun to see, and I agree with you, man. I don't don't
0: think it was no learning going on, man. It it might have been.
1: He was probably, if like, I don't know who all was there. I I mean, you know, from what we was able to see, he was probably the least experienced in his profession there. So I'm pretty sure. Like I said, I'm going to find out. Whenever I get an opportunity to talk to him on the side, I just want, did you get an opportunity just to chop Mm. it up? I think it was all fun. There's Brian and and Tom Brady to ask, you know, how do you go about this? And like I mentioned, this is what I know about CJ as right now. This is a guy who want to be straight. That's nice. um, He want to be great. He strive for greatness. And, uh, you know, it it, it was just fun just to see a Houston Texans quarterback go out and be in the midst of of a party like that. Yeah, if I'm at an
0: all-white party with Drewski, Kevin Hart, all those great people. Right now, football is the last thing on my mind.
1: See, that's the difference between you and I. Because you know, you know me. I'm all about mama mentality. I'm pulling somebody on the side. You know, how you get better at this, how you work at this, you know, I'm I'm doing all this. If me and John was at that party, John would get mad at me because I'd be having a notepad taking notes. If I'm at an all-white party,
0: my goal is to leave that party and not be all white no more. I need at least a couple of sweat drops on my clothes because I had that much fun. Thank you all for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and comment to the Locked On Texan podcast on YouTube. Also, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Follow us on Twitter as long as Twitter is still alive and kicking at Locked On Texans. Give me a follow as well at John underscore Hickman 12.
1: And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter as of right now at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And it's the same on Instagram as well. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.